One of the most fascinating facts that I've seen or pieces of data is that cold brew is actually bringing people into the category. So consumers that haven't always been traditional coffee drinkers, they're using cold brews as a stepping stone to get into coffee consumption. I would say a common term to use would be like chocolatey, less acidic, very smooth body. And it's also a greater pick-me-up because generally a lot of cold brew has more caffeine content within it than a regular cup of hot brew. I would say that it's probably one of the fastest growing parts of our business. And, you know, just literally going in and say, I'd like a cup of cold coffee, and usually we're serving it out of a tap, is actually our second highest selling item at our coffee bars, which has just grown massively over the last 10 years. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of coffee business magazine, Fifth Wave. In March 2021, Kevin Johnson, CEO of Starbucks Coffee Company, appeared on the business news channel CNBC to discuss the recent performance of the business. Dressed in a lime sweater with a picture of a coffee bush behind him, he stated that more than 50% of the beverages now sold at Starbucks are cold. 50%? What an impressive figure. Cold coffee beverages are a huge and fast-growing market, and that's why we're exploring them today, especially some of the new and emerging trends such as cold brew and flash brew coffee. Our research here at Allegra suggests that iced beverages make up almost 22% of all coffee shop revenues in the US, with an estimated 10 billion in 2019. We'll be speaking with two leading American coffee companies to understand what the cold coffee market looks like what the opportunity is in the American market, and get their takes on why America has a love affair with cold coffees. Our two American guests are James McLaughlin, President and CEO of Intelligentsia Coffee, and Matthew Swenson, Director of Coffee at Nestle and former Chief Product Officer at Comedian Cold Brew. But to kick off this episode, we're speaking with Danny Pang, Asia Pacific Manager for Marco Beverage Systems. Marco makes commercial coffee brewing equipment for the food service and specialty coffee channels. In this interview, Danny guides us through the different types of cold coffees, how they taste different, and what the opportunity is for cold brew in Asia. Danny started his coffee journey back in 2005 and has since become an international coffee expert through managing cafes, running barista training courses, and judging at global coffee competitions. Welcome, Danny. Thank you. Imagine. We were explaining this to a total novice, someone even outside of the coffee industry. Yeah, what is cold brew? <laughs> so cold brew, as the name suggests, it's instead of using hot water to brew coffee, you use cold water or at least uh, room temperature water. But because you're using low temperature water, you basically have to let coffee grounds interact with the water for a very long period of time. The most common method is where they basically prepare a certain amount of coffee to be steeped and immersed in a certain amount of water. Of course, there is a certain recipe to that, which we call coffee-to-water ratio. And you basically leave that concoction either in the room temperature somewhere for 16 hours and above. And then you're able to filter away the grounds thereafter and to drink the, uh, the liquid. I often see in some coffee shops these Kyoto towers, these sort of towers with drip, drip, drip. That kind of concept is called cold drip. All right, the top towers, you have ice that's slowly melting away and you control the drip onto a, a bit of coffee and then to allow the coffee to soak up the water and thereafter 
as water passes through, it gets saturated. And you can see the concentration of coffee coming through and ending right at the bottom. It's a very nice showcase, a very nice display where the coffee runs from the bed right down through a spiral, right down into a collector, a carafe at the bottom. I saw a shop in Taiwan, and this shop just serves coffee prepared in this manner. They have close to more than 10 of these towers within the shop. But there are also people who prefer what we call our Japanese ice coffee, ice brew, which you brew it hot first and then you iced it. And the flavors of the coffee, to them, they find it's more flavorful there, more aromatics. Is that also known as flash brewing? Correct. If you brew a standard V60 hot pour over, you will probably take about two minutes on average to three minutes, depending on how much grounds you have and how much water you're pouring. But if you do it with a Japanese ice brew, you basically half the time. Ah. because you use less water over the same amount of coffee and you compensate the difference of water with ice. What happens to the taste of coffee Mm. when you brew it cold rather than brew it hot? I would say a common term to use would be like rather chocolatey, less acidic, very smooth body. And it's also a greater pick-me-up because generally a lot of cold brew has more caffeine content within it than a regular cup of hot brew. Okay, so it's deliciously caffeinated. (laughs) Exactly. The only thing that's a bit different from a hot brew, it will be that you'll find the aromatics, the smell, will not be as strong or as prevalent as what you will have from a hot brew coffee. How is Asia faring in terms of popularity of cold brew? Well, it is an up-and-coming trend. I would divide Asia in two areas. One would be Australasia, mm-hmm. where you have Australia and New Zealand there, and the rest of Asia, from China right down to Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, and Indochina. Cold brew does better in Australasia. Does it? Yeah, but for the Asia market, generally, we're still a fair bit away. We have not really adapted to the taste of cold brew because it's just a matter of culture. We love Generally, the drink of coffee is hot. And if it's ice cold, normally it's hot brew first and then you iced it. But if it's a cold brew, it just doesn't have that oomph, like right. what people would want to drink a hot brew from, you know. They love the oomph from it and wake up to a nice hot brew and the aromas that hits you. And you will find that a lot of our culture here, we tend to gravitate what we call to cold coffee through what we call canned coffees. Yeah. Generally sold in like convenience stores, 7-Elevens and so forth. If you compare cold coffee, those has a much better adoption. Mm. And so those cold coffee cans or ready to drink as many people uh, RTDs, call them, that's right. RTDs, are they based mainly on more of an instant formula? Generally, they are from the big coffee companies. You have the likes of UCC and Nestle's, Nescafe's bottling those coffees there. So those are commercialized brewing factories where they, they, they hot brew the coffees before they package and chill it down and, and bottle it or can it. And, and would you say that there, it is a trend to cold brew in Asia or you think it's going to take many, many years to take off? It's going to be a while. I think if it's cold brew, people tend to want to gravitate to more like a convenience where it's a quick thirst quencher where one of the reasons why I think it's a bit slow potentially is because the coffee culture here is more seen like a cafe culture. 
Because people tend to say, if I want a coffee, I go to a cafe, I like to sit down and enjoy my time there. And that's the reason why they have a hot brew, because it takes time to cool down and they can wall the time away. If people really like cold brew, then generally you just like grab and go because it's just drink while you're walking away. And do you think there's any evidence that there are more general consumers making cold brew at home? Well, from the likes of it, not so. Mm -hmm. I think people are still gravitating towards hot brew from my sense, simply because, you know, coffee is something that you wake up to in the morning. Yeah. So if you want to have the aromas, you just got to have a hot brew. (laughs) That's quite an amazing journey in the world of coffee sensory and coffee making. Thanks so much, Danny, for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Oh, it's a pleasure, Jeffrey. If you're interested in watching a video of Danny making Japanese-style iced coffee, we've put a link in the show notes. What was fascinating to learn is that cold brew hasn't taken off in Asia. Danny attributes this to an Asian coffee culture steeped in the tradition of hot coffee drinking, both in a cafe setting and as a morning ritual. Now it's time to explore the thriving cold coffee market in America. We're going to focus on what the cold coffee market looks like up close. What is the business opportunity today? And explore the question, why do Americans absolutely adore cold coffees? We're going to be speaking with James McLaughlin, president and CEO of Intelligentsia Coffee. Intelligentsia is a pioneering specialty coffee roaster and chain of coffee shops founded in Chicago in 1995. Today, the company operates 15 coffee bars in major U.S. cities, and you can find Intelligentsia Coffee in almost 3,000 grocery stores, in thousands of cafes and restaurants across America, and also online. Jeff, thank you so much for having me. Give us a little background about your career and how you got involved in coffee. I went to law school in Chicago and actually ended up moving into an apartment around the corner from the original Intelligentsia Coffee here in Chicago and kind of stumbled upon it and ended up becoming this devoted customer of Intelligentsia. I'd study there. I'd get my coffee there every morning before heading down to campus and ended up practicing law in Chicago and was a litigator at a big law firm here. And after a while, just realized that it wasn't something that I wanted to do forever and ever. And so I made the natural jump from law to moving down to Brazil and running a coffee farm. That's natural. (laughs) (laughs) And my wife's family has had a coffee farm and we spent three years down on the farm, running the farm. I learned all about coffee production, coffee growing. And truthfully, Jeff, I I got bit by the coffee bug. And when we moved back to the United States, I said, you know what? I really want to stay in coffee. This is what I want to do. I remember Intelligentsia from my time living in Chicago and they are my dream company. You know, how can I possibly get a job there? And I ended up just sending a cold letter to the CEO of Intelligentsia. And I said, hey, here's who I am. I love you guys. I want to come work for you. I think I can help. And, you know, one thing led to another. And I ended up back in Chicago working at Intelligentsia. And I came in, Jeff, on through the coffee side. And so when I started at Intelli, I was running the sourcing program, the roasting program, the quality control, and, you know, just kind of continued to take on more responsibility. And here we are. So how important is cold coffee in your own business? I would say that it's probably one of the fastest growing parts of our business. And, you know, just literally going in and say, I'd like a cup of cold coffee, and usually we're serving it out of a tap, is actually our second highest selling item at our coffee bars, which has just grown massively over the last 10 years. 
But we also have cold coffee that we sell into our wholesale partners. And most recently, we launched cold coffee in a ready-to-drink format. It speaks to the opportunities that we see in the category and, frankly, what consumers are asking for. Why do you think cold coffee is such a trend, especially in America? Younger consumers are looking for an alternative to sodas. And I think people have gotten more educated about the health effects of drinking a lot of soda. And I think cold coffee actually fits very nicely into the health gap that's created by people saying, I can't drink soda anymore because it's, it's really not that healthy. Starbucks announced recently that cold beverages make up more than half their beverage sales in the US. Is this sort of surprising to you? What we are seeing, Jeff, is that in the coffee bars that we're opening, we are opening them with an expanded tap system. So at a lot of our most recent coffee bars that we've opened, we have up to eight taps where we have eight different selections of, of cold drinks on tap that's just ready to go. And so as an example, we'll have cold coffee, we'll have nitro, we'll have an oat latte, we'll have an oat matcha latte, we'll have an herbal tea, a chai oat latte, a black tea. And having that selection that's ready to go immediately is something that we're finding con consumers are really liking. It's both the convenience, it's the variety, and it's something that we're going to continue to do and continue to build on. So I was both surprised to hear that Starbucks was 50%, but also not really that surprised because I do think that we're seeing it in our own business. I'd like you to tell us about this ready-to-drink range that you've launched. Right now, it's available in our coffee bars, it's available online, and we're getting the product into grocery stores. And so we launched in February three SKUs. One is just cold coffee. It's the same cold coffee that you can get in one of our coffee bars. And then we have an oat latte and a spiced oat latte. And the two lattes were really inspired by what we've seen from our customers. We've just seen this massive shift in customers' asking for alternative milks. And oat milk, probably no surprise to you, has grown just astronomically as a percentage of the orders. Yeah. And so we partnered with Oatly to bring these two lattes to market. And you know what's interesting about the ready-to-drink format, the ready-to-drink format in the United States has definitely exploded, right? I mean, over the last 10 years. But one of the things that we really struggled with as a company one of the kind of core parts of who we are, the DNA of Intelligentsia, is quality. And we really couldn't figure out how to get a high-quality product into a can or a carton or a glass bottle. And so we've been working on this for, for close to five years. And recently, in the last 12 months, we had a couple of pieces fall into place where we could get the quality that we wanted into a Tetra. And it's made all the difference in the world, right? I think we really did a great job. And I think what's interesting, Jeff, is that the RTD segment is really evolving. And for a lot of coffee companies, the RTD segment is a brand new kind of business, right? Like most coffee companies aren't familiar with beverages. How do we get beverages into grocery stores, convenience stores, and do it so that you know, it's profitable. And I think we've already started to see a shakeout in the RTD category in terms of people that have figured this out. But the other thing that's been really interesting is that RTD is, is kind of similar to the bagged coffees. We're starting to see a quality segmentation. 
You have your low quality tiers, low quality, low price RTDs, and then you have your higher quality, higher priced RTDs coming to market. And I think consumers are going to choose with their wallets, do they want to drink the stuff that doesn't taste very good for a lower price or trade up? And I think we've definitely seen that in the bagged business where Mm. people are saying, I want better coffee and I'm willing to pay for it. But when I think about the RTD category, the other thing that's really exciting is You know, when we sell a bag of coffee to a consumer in one of our coffee bars, online, in the grocery store, we're asking a lot of our customers, right? We're saying, hey, here's a bag of whole bean coffee. I need you to go home. I need you to get the right grind. I need you to get the right water temperature. I need you to make sure that the right, you know, dose of water to coffee is correct. And and I think for a lot of customers, that's exciting. And people who like to cook, I think that's really cool. What's interesting about the RTD category, especially now that I think we've figured out the quality piece, is we're providing the customer with exactly the experience we want in a Tetra pack. And so someone can open our cold coffee, and it is going to taste exactly the same as if they went into one of our coffee bars. And so what's so cool about that is we can reach so many more customers in so many different places with a coffee experience that is very, very, very similar to what they'd have in one of our coffee bars. So I think, you know, going back to your question, I think RTD is going to continue to grow as a category because consumers want to enjoy coffee in many different places, not just at their favorite coffee bar. Well, that's been absolutely fabulous, James. It's been great to have you here today on Fifth Wave. Thank you so much, Jeff, for inviting me. I appreciate it. Well, after hearing James' observations, cold coffee, in all its forms, will continue to brew up a storm in the USA. And what's really exciting is the ability for coffee brands, with their ready-to-drink brews, to offer their customers a coffee experience that matches their in-store quality. You could argue the cafe has now entered the home, because coffee drinkers can enjoy cafe-quality coffee just by opening their fridge door. We're rounding out this episode by speaking with Matthew Swenson, Director of Coffee at Nestle and former Chief Product Officer for Chameleon Cold Brew. Acquired by Nestle in 2017, Chameleon produces ready-to-drink cold brew concentrates and milk coffees, as well as roasted whole bean coffees. Welcome, Matt. Thank you very much, Chef. Glad to be here. I wonder if you'd give us some background on Chameleon Coffee, how it began and where it is today. So Chameleon started in 2010 by Chris Gamble and Steve Williams. They were neighbors at the time, and Chris was a a consultant traveling all around the country, getting burnt out. And Steve was his neighbor who owned a a coffee shop that was really popular in Austin called Banu Coffee. And Chris knew he wanted to start a business, and he was sitting in Steve's cafe and just saw how much cold brew he was pumping out of this cafe. And, And the light bulb went off, and they joined forces to launch the brand Chameleon and it took a couple of years to, to really get off the ground, but we're very fortunate to have Whole Foods in our backyard of Austin. And Whole Foods took an early risk on us, and we started growing rapidly, getting national distribution to other retailers like Target, and, and found that what we were doing really resonated with consumers. We had an 86% CAGR over the, the seven years. That's compound annual growth rate. And so we were on a, a really, really amazing trajectory that was what really attracted the likes of, of Nestle. And so that grew and grew. And in, in November 2017, they offered to acquire acquire the company. 
And so since then, we've been a part of, of Nestle and have really continued to grow that brand through the, the original lens of the founders, which is really an amazing experience. One of the things that, that I believe was so instrumental in our growth was really investing in quality, but also investing in the producers. And so Chameleon's always been an organic brand. Organic's hard to, to grow, right? And so for us to maintain the growth that we wanted to achieve and, and needed to achieve, we really needed to build our, out our capacity. And so when I joined Chameleon in 2016, that was my, my sole mission is to revamp our supply chain and develop community-based programs. And now we're going on ultimately the fourth year of, of these programs going live where we are you know, really investing in, in impacting change in some of these areas. And we continue to source from the same regions and the same communities. So we're not just you know, going in and executing on a project. We're ultimately trying to build sustainable landscapes within these communities. What would you say is the opportunity for cold beverages in general and, and, and specifically cold brew? Is it still a growing market? Yeah, absolutely. Every piece of data that we see is, is showing the general RTD coffee market continues to grow by double-digit growth every year. We continue to see climbs as cold brew as a brew method continuing to gain share among consumers. One of the most fascinating facts that I've seen or pieces of data is that cold brew is actually bringing people into the category. So consumers that haven't always been traditional coffee drinkers, they're using cold brews as a stepping stone to get into coffee consumption. As far as RTD overall, you know, again, we see a lot of growth there still. But the interesting thing is when you look at that specifically through cold brew, we're seeing market share growth within cold brew, even within RTD coffee. So, you know, you might have iced coffee or you might have other forms like that. We're seeing cold brew increase its market share year over year. And, and, and we think over the next three to five years, it'll be about 30% of the RTD consumption within cold coffee. What's special about cold brew over regular cold coffee within RTD? What, do you, what is it about cold brew that resonates. The wide uh, interpretation from the consumer standpoint is that it's lower acid, it's sweeter, rounder, it's these types of things. But at the end of the day, I think it, it just provides a very approachable cup for the consumer, but also it's very adaptable and customizable. When you, you start looking at, at how people take their cold brew, it goes really well with milk. It goes really good as a base for, for making you know, specialty beverages like some sort of sweetened concoction with dairy or, or alt milk. The adaptability of it has lended itself really well to where the consumer base is in today's market. So we talk to people all over the world and we see that cold brew is just literally off the clock in, in the United States, cold coffee in general. And there are other markets in the world that you'd expect to have a higher penetration of cold brew like Australia, like Brazil. The thing just hasn't completely happened. And, and we kind of ask why. These are, these are hot countries, they drink lots of coffee. Why do you think the United States is so inclined towards cold coffees in general and cold brew? <laughs> I, I don't have a straightforward answer. I mean, I, I can provide an opinion, right? And so I've never been to, to Australia, for instance, but from what I've learned about that, in Australia, you have much more cafe-based coffee culture that's, mm -hmm. that leans heavily on espresso, but it's more of a 
what we would refer to as like a brunch spot, right? You have mm. amazing food paired with amazing coffee. It seems as if it's more on the, the coffee to stay. And the U.S. is very heavy on the coffee to go side of things. And I think cold brew lends itself really well to coffee to go. Yeah. And I think that's played nicely into developing and burgeoning RTD coffee market, right? Because it's that that replacement or that that auxiliary coffee that you're not grabbing at the cafe. You can go to the grocery store and grab one or have a couple in your fridge and take away. And so I think it, it offers that same solution for the customer. And so I think that's where there's right. probably some growth. But, you know, the underbelly of all this also is, is distribution. Making shelf-stable cold brew is extremely challenging. And so most of it has to have cold distribution from a food safety perspective. And so, you know, without understanding the, the cold chain and the cold distribution models in other countries, that might be a huge determining factor of, of how this can be done um, safely and how it can be done at scale is cold distribution. Absolutely fascinating. And what's interesting, right, is, you know, coffee for the longest time, when you think of roast and ground coffee, we as an industry have basically had a, a hall pass for food safety just because it's an extremely tried and true product. It's very stable from a green perspective, even roasted. When you get into to cold brew in the RTD market, you have really big, scary topics like botulism that are real and, and they open themselves up when you get into distribution of cold brew. And so that's one always watch out that we have to be careful of is that having a cold chain distribution is incredibly important for the safety of not only the product and the consumer, but also the, the industry at large, right? Thanks very much, Matt, for being with us today on Fifth Wave. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. So it seems the popularity of cold brew and cold coffees in general, in addition to being an alternative to sodas, might also have a lot to do with America's love affair with grab-and-go culture and its highly developed cold distribution network. Nevertheless, as with James at Intelligentsia, Matt was very bullish on cold coffee's continued growth in the U.S., and the cold coffee revolution is introducing coffee to a younger and broader consumer base. And that's all this week for Fifth Wave Podcast. If you want to read more about Allegra's research into cold beverages in the United States, follow the link in the show notes to Project Ice USA at worldcoffeeportal.com. Please subscribe to the Fifth Wave Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'd really appreciate a good rating if you enjoyed this show. Also, get in touch and tell us what topics are important to you so we can make the show more relevant to you and to your business. You can follow the link in the show notes to worldcoffeeportal.com slash fifth wave. This episode was recorded in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, the World Coffee Portal team, James Harper of Filter Production, and sound engineering by Chris Bristow. Today, we leave you with a great summary song from coffee music project artist Anya Diamond. And this track is called No More Rain. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great week. And until next time, stay safe and stay caffeinated.
I just wanna say I made.